Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. This is episode number 38 of the Awesomers.com podcast. And as the tradition has become clear for those avid listeners, all you have to do is go to Awesomers.com slash 38. That's Awesomers.com backslash 38 to find relevant show notes and details. Now today my special guest is Leron Hirschkorn, and he's been in the online marketing space for the last 10 years. That's a long time in the internet space. Before building brands on Amazon, Liron was a pioneer in selling life insurance online. We're going to talk a little bit about that in today's episode. Over the last four years, he successfully built not one, but two seven-figure brands on Amazon by creating products that add more value to the customer and understanding keywords, search optimization, sponsored ads, and all the little things that go into making an online business work on Amazon. Liron is also a partner with Amazing Freedom, and the Amazing Seller Podcast, which provides training and services for Amazon brand owners. You can learn more about all of these great resources and ideas that Liron is involved in in today's episode. Welcome back, Awesomers. Here we are again, uh, Steve Simonson, bringing you another podcast. And uh, I'm pleased to report today, Liron Hirschkorn is joining me today. How did I do on the pronunciation? I uh, did great. Thank you. Thanks okay. for having me on. Yeah, I'm batting about 50%. And in baseball, I'd be a, a genius. But when it comes to pronouncing names, it's really not that good. So uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, and thank you for joining us. Um, I, I definitely have already kind of read the intro and, and kind of the bio to the folks, so they know a little bit about you. But I always like to have the guests put in their own words kind of what they do today on a day-to-day -day basis and, and uh, help everybody kind of hear from them directly. What, what can you tell us? Sure. Um, so I would say that my day is sort of um, it's sort of split up between between uh, a couple different things. Uh, one is are running my own brands um, that I sell on Amazon. So right now we have two brands uh, of uh, products that, that I sell on Amazon. So sort of the day to day um, management or, or marketing management of the brand. I have a I have an e-commerce manager. So um, she does a lot of the sort of operations of ship, you know, telling a warehouse when to ship in inventory and setting up promotions and coupons and things like that. And I do sort of more bigger strategy of, uh, you know, sourcing new products, things like that. Um, and for those two brands, I'm also in the process of uh, starting um, at least one new brand, possibly a second, each with a partner. Um, and then um, other time for me during the day um, gets dedicated towards um, our uh, e-commerce community of, um, 
of people that are in our private label course and uh, some of the uh, some of the services that we run also. Well, that's a that's a busy agenda for sure, and uh, I definitely respect the amount of work that you put into it. Uh, and we're going to dive into some of those details uh, a little bit more because I'm curious uh, to know. I know that you guys have an upcoming China trip. And you've yep. got a course out there and, and the community you just mentioned. So we're going to dive into all of that, but we're going to do it right after this quick break. Empowery. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do. Because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Hey, how about that, Awesomers? We're back already. Can you believe it? Uh, the magic of editing uh, once again. And uh, Liron is going to talk to us about, now, Liron or Liran? Let's get it right. Uh, Liron. Ooh, I had it right. Dang it. I should have never second-guessed myself. Uh, so Liron's going to talk to us a little bit about his origin, because this is, to me, always interesting. Uh, where people come from. You know, everybody comes from different backgrounds and, and all kinds of different um, I don't know, uh, positions in life. And I, I just find it fascinating to find how everybody kind of vectors towards the entrepreneurial world. So can you tell us, uh, where, where were you born to start out with? Uh, I was born in Israel, actually. Okay. Uh, and uh, my family, when I was six years old, my dad had an opportunity uh, to be sent from his company to, to the U.S. It was supposed to be a, a two-year trip. Uh, turned out a lot longer. My dad actually ended up um, having an opportunity to buy a business and stay here. Um, I guess my dad saw the, the opportunity of what, you know, America, um, can, can be and, uh, took the opportunity, bought a business and, um, you know, been here ever since. Fascinating. I like that. Uh, and so what did your dad do when, when you guys moved over, uh, initially? So, so my dad was an expert at fixing, uh, CAT scan and MRI machines all over the world. Um, I remember as a kid being, you know, four or five years old, he would always come back with something from a country, uh, come back with a toy or something that he would bring me and I would talk to him on the phone, tell him what I, what I wanted. Uh, and he had an opportunity to, to come work um, for the company um, in the U.S. In, in New Jersey and took that opportunity and, um, and did that for a couple of years. And then somebody in my parents' um, temple, my dad was always very handy, um, and somebody in my parents' temple was selling their appliance uh, repair business. And so um, my dad uh, didn't really have sort of training in that, but it could pretty much fix anything um, and bought that business. Um, and, you know, that's what he's done for you know, now sort of semi-retired, but that's what he's done for the last, you know, 30 years or so. Wow. Something tells me if you can fix a, a CAT scan, uh, you probably have a good shot at fixing a washer and dryer, huh? Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> That's so, fascinating. How, how about your mom? Did, what, what was she doing during this time? Yeah, so, so my, mom was, um, my mom was a teacher in Israel. Um, and when she came here, she, she taught you know, Hebrew um, at, a, uh, at a Jewish school. Um, and actually, it, it was because of my mom that we were able to get sponsored for our green card and ultimately our citizenship because um, that was kind of like a skill set that you can justify needing somebody from overseas because it's a language thing. And so... Um, thanks to her teaching, we were able to get a green card, um, you know, and ultimately get U.S. citizenship. So that was, uh, you know, obviously a really good thing. I love it. Yeah, that's a classic coming to America story right there. Uh, how about any siblings? Do you have any uh, brothers or sisters out there? So I'm the youngest of three. 
Okay. Uh, so I have uh, an older brother and two older sisters. And do they, um, now two older sisters and a brother, that makes you four. Yes. You're the youngest of four. Yes, correct. All right, for those keeping score at home, I just want to be clear that there's four of them. And uh, oh, yeah. now, how, what do they, are they entrepreneurial? What kinds of things do they do? Um, so so my, one of my siblings is. Um, so um, my sister, uh, my sister has a, um, an insurance uh, billing business that is specifically focused in um, the acupuncture niche. Uh, so she, she actually still has, uh, she still works from home for a company as a project manager. Um, so I don't know how she manages it, but she works from home as a project manager. And then she, um, her boyfriend does acupuncture. And one of the things that they saw early on um, is that they, they you know, needed to learn the skill set if, uh, if you're not gonna outsource it of billing for acupuncture, billing insurance companies, and they started to offer it as a service to other acupuncturists. And now she has, I don't know, 10, 15 employees um, and wow. has built up has built a pretty nice business of, uh, of just kind of like billing, but uh, kind of niche focus, which was smart because, you know, there's not that many providers that know that space. What a great lesson in being able to find a niche that, you know, nobody would think of, right? How many people are sitting at home going, I wish I could get in that acupuncture billing business. Right. I can't imagine anybody's ever uttered those words except somebody deep in that business. And yet she's got this really nice uh, business going. Very cool. Yep. Yep. Um, and my other, my other two siblings are both professionals. My brother's, uh, my brother is a lawyer in commercial real estate, like general counsel for a company um, in New York. And my sister is a dentist. I love it. All right. Well, that's a very well-rounded family there. How about university? Did you go to university? Uh, yeah. So I went to Queens College. Um, I ended up uh, dropping out of college. Um, when, I was, when I went to Queens College, um, I, had a, I, had, I, was taking a, I was in a business honors program, and I had a professor that really liked me who got me an internship with Citibank. Um, and I was 19, got an internship with Citibank, and that's kind of how I started my career in the financial services uh, field. But, you know, when I was probably since the time I was like 10, I, I kind of wanted to be in stocks and stockbroker. So that was like a really good fit for what I wanted to to do. Um, and then got there and was able to move up, um, eventually became a financial advisor with Citibank, um, started taking some classes at night that didn't go that well for me. It was just too much. And so I ended up, um, I ended up dropping out. Um, but I've never looked back. I love it. Uh, well, for the Osmers out there listening, uh, you're listening to a couple of college dropouts uh, right now. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, you can believe what we say because we've learned it the hard way. Um, so I definitely like that. Now, so the, the Citibank gig uh, was an internship initially. It sounds like it, it parlayed into something else. Was that your first quote unquote proper job, would you say? Yes. Yes. Um, that was my first proper job. And yeah, the internship, I knew that the I worked for two financial advisors in a bank branch. Um, in a very wealthy neighborhood in New York. And um, they, I knew that they were looking for a sales assistant. And uh, basically, I approached them and I said, look, I can fill, I can fill that role. And they, they hired me and gave me the job. Nice. Well, you, that was your first sales gig right there. You, you yes. closed the deals. Nice. <laughs> exactly. And I, I learned a lot, you know, that I learned a lot in terms of sales. You know, I, I, you know, I remember, you know, and I look back and I laugh now because of the lines they taught me, you know, and I was probably, you know, 21, you know, recommending mutual funds to, to people with, you know, a million dollars sitting in the bank. And, you know, I would tell, you know, I, I don't know how I did it then, but sometimes when you don't know what you don't know, you know, I would look at a guy in the eye and, and I, you know, I would tell, I would tell a person, uh, 
I'm not telling you what, what you want to hear. I'm telling you what you need to hear. You know, and they taught me like those kind of lines, but they taught me the art of sales. Um, and I really learned so much, probably more than I ever learned in college, um, at least in terms of sales and communication um, from those two, uh, those two brokers. How do you think that sales experience has, has uh, impacted your, your entrepreneurial and e-commerce stuff that you do today? Uh, I mean, I think communication, communication wise definitely helped me as far as being able to communicate, as far as to get a point across, um, you, you know, not, uh, you know, somewhat with, you know, copy and, and things like that. Um, you know, I think it can help. Um, you know, I'm not really so much selling to people um, directly now, but it definitely impacted the way I communicate and how I think about sort of uh, customer behavior, customer psychology. Um, and how to and and how I think about conversion. So it was definitely sort of an early early lessons into into sales and how people think and how people make decisions emotionally but justify them logically. And that's really the same kind of stuff that you're trying to do with your Amazon listings. Yeah, it really any e-commerce business, whether it's Amazon based, your own site, you go through the same thing. First, you market that drives the lead generation, right? And you get leads. Now you got to convert the leads. That's the sales process. And it doesn't matter if you're talking to them in person, you know, uh, via call center, face to face, whatever the case is, or you're letting your funnels or your your copy on the screens do it. You still want to bring them to the close. You're you're there to solve a problem, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and even getting reviews, right? And the, the kind of text and language that you use in your in your communication with customers, uh, the inserts that you use in your packaging, like all that is uh, sales communication. Quite right. Yeah, I definitely think that's a very good skill. Uh, how about as you reflect back on your time uh, from then to now, uh, was there any defining moment that maybe stood out in your mind where, where you said, oh, man, this is, this is where you know, I, I pivoted this way or that way? Anything that uh, you care to share? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So in um, in 2008, I got into, I met a guy sort of randomly um, at, at Whole Foods, uh, it turns out, and um, um, introduced me to a network marketing company. And um, I would say that probably while I wouldn't go through that again of, of going into a network marketing company, that was definitely my uh, opening into personal development um, and my opening to learning marketing on the internet, um, getting people into my sort of funnel for, for getting them into, into the network marketing. And so that's when I got, you know, went to the first Tony Robbins seminar that I went to and started really listening to, you know, at the time CDs and tapes and um, personal development, because, you know, when you do network marketing, you learn that the only difference between someone successful and someone who is not successful is you. Right? Everybody has access to the same amount of the tools and, and people and, and, and whatever you have that, the, that that's available to you. And it's really you. You need to look in the mirror. And if you're not successful, it's you. And so that really was a turning point for me. And um, I learned, you know, this was a company that um, didn't didn't really give you a website or anything or anything like that to market. And so I went on one of the freelancer websites and had somebody build a website for me and I marketed it, learned how to market it online. And through that, I became the number one enroller in the company. In fact, I quit my job at the bank to go travel around the country and go to meetings um, at the time. And I, I personally enrolled like over 100 people. Wow. And was doing it full time. Um, and uh, eventually the company went bust. Um, the, the owners weren't well capitalized and went bust. Um, but, but that for me was a defining moment in terms of learning like the power of internet marketing. And that definitely was uh, planting seeds for for future endeavors that uh, that I would uh, participate in. 
Yeah, I love it. Well, I, I do think that, you know, having that takeaway, and this is one of those, um, you know, unexpected takeaways, right? Because you went into it thinking this is the way it's going to be, and you were successful at it, you know, despite the, the company's uh, uh, lack of capitalization. But really, you've got this skill and this, this uh, you know, personal development lesson. And, uh, you know, obviously, the folks listening already, they're, they're into personal development on some level. Otherwise, they wouldn't be listening to this. They'd be watching whatever The Bachelor Right. Um, and so, uh, well, you know, th this is something that awesomers generally will find is that they want to learn, they want to be better. And if we can make ourselves better every day, that's equity in ourselves. Is that yeah. how you kind of look at it today? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for personal development is something I try to, I try to, you know, read or listen to something like every single day, you know, if I don't, I, I, I feel like I sort of missed out. Like I try to put 20 minutes into listening to something or reading every, every single day. And yeah, definitely the roots for that were planted in, um, you know, in, in personal development and knowing that, you know, starting to listening to, to Jim Rohn, right. Who said, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. And all, all those things I would listen to over and over again and reading, think and grow rich. And this is the time that I really got into all that. And it was introduced to me by some of the, you know, the people who are a couple levels sort of above me in the, uh, you know, in the company in the sort of in the downline as a way to improve myself. And if I improve myself and if I had the right sort of mindset and confidence and, um, you know, I would be able to attract that and be able to, uh, bring other people into it. And, um, and then if I could teach them those skills and, and show them these trainings, et cetera, and get them to, to focus on personal development, then they would be empowered to be able to introduce this like business opportunity to, to other people. Um, and it was because of my, you know, because of my sort of, um, fascination with the ability to market online and get people to and like get money by like just sitting online and, you know, the building a site and getting people. And then eventually I spoke to them on the phone, but, um, that, you know, eventually when eventually I started, um, an insurance agency, an online insurance agency after, um, I was working for mass mutual and I asked them, this was like about 2010. And I said to them, can I do a blog? Can I do something like, I don't want to, I was going to, I was an insurance agent and going to networking meetings, Rotary Club, all these things, trying to chase clients instead of getting clients to come to me. And they said, well, if you write a blog post, it takes two weeks for compliance to approve it. And by, the, by that time, it's not even material anymore. And so that's the point where I decided, okay, I'm going to go do this online myself and set up as an independent uh, agent, set up a website and started marketing myself. Um, and if it wasn't for that previous network marketing and building a website and that experience of driving traffic, there's no way that would have ever even been on my you know, radar at all. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, um, getting into that and getting into that personal development, for sure. It's a, it's a great example of what I like to think of as intellectual equity, right? All of that experience is continued to compound and it gets bigger and bigger and more uh, useful as time goes on. That's that's one of the great lessons uh, awesomers uh, uh, think about. Uh, that Speaking of lessons, has there been any great kind of uh, particular lesson that stood out in your mind along your journey, whether it's in the sales or in the you know, insurance business or your current business, uh, anything that stands out that you want to share with others? Yeah, I mean, what I, what I would share with others is that, you know, over during that course of time from the from the network marketing time until I started like Amazon and started to have success with it, I also had a lot of failures. You know, I tried a lot of things that didn't work. And um, I guess one of the good things is that I didn't give up. You know, I um, at one point I took a course on flipping domain names, you know, and I bought a bunch of domains. I sold some, but a lot of them just expired because nobody bought them. 
Um, you know, I bought, um, I bought another e-commerce site that I owned at one point that somebody was supposed to build out and get all this traffic and sales for me, blah, blah, blah. That, that didn't happen. Um, so along the way, along this journey, there were a lot of failures uh, along the way, but I kept, you know, trying different things just because, you know, I was sort of fascinated, you know, with these things. I remember like, you know, being on the warrior forum, you know, like talking about like, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, with all these like different, um, all these different offers that you got on the warrior forum to learn how to, you know, make money into social media, how to do this and how to do that and how to, you know, at one point I did, um, I did uh, websites for local businesses, right? So I lived in a building that was a dentist on the first floor. I actually did. I outsourced. I had somebody build her website, whatever. But that business really, it didn't take off as like a big business for me or anything. I had like one client in my building. But a lot of this stuff was, were, you know, the precursor to eventually something, uh, something succeeding for me, which first was the online insurance business and then, and then uh, Amazon. But, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm sure on this podcast and other places, you hear from people that are having success. Um, but you don't necessarily know all the past failures that have been there. And, you know, I think the key is kind of continuing to get up and continuing and not quitting. Uh, that is a very important lesson. You know, the, uh, one of the key defining uh, parts of an entrepreneur, but particularly an awesomer, is, is the idea of persistence, right? Just you, you just keep going. You just keep going. And, and by the way, whether it comes up in these types of episodes or not, every person's journey has those milestones of, you know, call them failure, call them, you know, learning, call them whatever you want. But it's like, tried it, didn't work, tried that, didn't work, you know, but as long as you keep moving, then you still have opportunity. And that's, that's one of those things that it's the people who give up before they've found kind of what works that have, uh, you know, in my mind, they've missed that opportunity. They, they kind of retreat back to the, you know, mothership of, you know, cubicle uh, hell or whatever the case may be. Uh, do you find that, um, you know, actually, I'll just ask you, was there ever a time during this journey where you wanted to give up, where persistence didn't seem like the best option? Um, I mean, there were definitely sort of things that I tried that I gave up on after a certain time that they didn't work. Um, but, you know, things things did uh, continue sort of to come up and I, I was willing to try different things, especially if it wasn't a big, you know, money sort of investment. Um, you know, I was willing to uh, to try. I mean, when it comes to Amazon, you know, I started Amazon by doing arbitrage. And I started, uh, one of the things I was doing was, uh, um, at the time I lived in, in Queens and there was a Nike clearance store, like less than, you know, five miles from my house. And I would go there and I would like literally like clean up. I would bring somebody with me, but you know, then I started getting these inauthentic complaints. One of the reasons maybe why is because, um, at, at, at the time, Amazon didn't have a rule against it. Now they do that you, um, the, this, this, the shoes I bought there, they didn't have the tops, the Nike boxes. So we bought other, you know, other uh, shoe boxes and we put them in, um, you know, and, but the shoes were authentic. We, I even had the label sort of removed with a heat gun and I put the label on the, on the new box and it was all authentic and new merchandise. Um, but I got a couple of inauthentic claims. And at that point I was sort of at a, uh, not knowing what to do because this was my business model. I was making money using this business model, but now I'm afraid that I'm going to get suspended because, um, you know, customers are saying that they don't know if these shoes are real, which again, I don't necessarily blame somebody who's ordering a Nike and they're not getting that orange box that they're used to. Um, especially, you know, ordering it on Amazon from just like a third party seller, not, you know, Amazon or a major, major brand. Um, so for me, that was, that was, a you know, that was definitely hard to deal with because it wasn't just one, it was a second one. I wasn't really sure what to do. And that's really also when I decided to pivot into the private label model. 
um, which turned out to um, you know to be much better, I think, in terms of long-term growth and in terms of scaling. But that was a point where it was very tough for me. Um, luckily, um, while I wasn't doing the insurance business anymore, I still had insurance commissions coming in from past sales, and so that was able to sort of sustain me while I uh, while I you know sort of transitioned my business into selling the rest of my merchandise that I bought through arbitrage and getting into private label. But, you know, for me, you know, um, the things that I've learned through personal development are that fear and greed are generally sort of the driving motivations for, for behavior. And for me, that was definitely a point of fear of saying, if I don't do something, my account's going to get suspended. I don't really want that. And I need to, I need to change models. And so that was kind of a turning point also in terms of my, my Amazon business. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I'm sure that during that time, it was quite tumultuous, right? You have this stock, you already have this model work down in your head. And you also know probably, you know, that it is in fact genuine. It's probably very frustrating to get those inauthentic yeah. claims, even though you can't blame the customer. It, it was real. And I mean, you probably were at, at uh, wit's end at times. Yeah, yes. And it was very frustrating. And, you know, I kept all the receipts and I submitted to Amazon. The, the, the receipts from Nike had the UPC codes and, and things that you can sort of match up. Um, and so I knew that I had some backup, but you know, with Amazon, they can choose to accept something, they could choose not to accept something. Um, and yeah, it was very stressful to to get those claims. And I, I you know, I just didn't want to deal with that anymore. Um, even though I know people that are still, do, you know, doing that model, just for me, it was too much, too much stress to have to deal with, uh, you know, getting claims and getting my Amazon business shut down possibly because of it. And yeah, all the goods were, you know, uh, authentic, um, but um, you know, it was, and, and very profitable too. You know, you could buy a pair of Nikes at 50 bucks and sell them for 150, um, you know, and just do really, really well. And, you know, it was time to sort of, uh, end, end that model and move on to something else. But, you know, thankfully through the Facebook groups and through kind of just learning, I knew that there was other models out there and I knew people that were doing well, you know, creating their own brand. It was just, uh, it was also a fear factor of just like, how do I import from China? Like, how do I do all this stuff that other people are doing? And that was that was also part of the reason why I probably hadn't done that earlier. Yeah. So that that brings up a very interesting question, which is, you know, that transition going from retail arbitrage. And for those out there who aren't aren't familiar with this vernacular, retail arbitrage just means you you did exactly what was just described, which is you go to a retail store, typically a Costco or some other clearance type store. You look for the clearance shelf and you go. Uh, you can even scan now. They have apps so you can scan and go, hey, this thing's, uh, uh, you know, 60 bucks at Costco and on Amazon selling for 160 bucks. So that, that's your opportunity to make the arbitrage play. Uh, to me, it's, it's uh, a model that is under significant stress and is unlikely to be a big model going forward, uh, to, in my humble opinion. So how did you make that transition from retail arbitrage into private label? Yeah, so so I had a good amount of inventory already at Amazon. So I still had products that were sort of bringing in money. Um, I was able to get, you know, I was able to get Amazon to accept the receipts from from Nike. Um, and so, you know, I knew that while I knew that I had risk, I knew that I could still kind of keep moving forward. And th and then I um, I actually um, joined uh, Andy Slamon's uh, course. Andy had a course at the time on private label. Um, and actually joined his course and started to sort of learn how to import from um, from China and how to search for products. And so I started sort of like one product, you know, at a time type type thing while I still had money coming in for my arbitrage items, while I still had money coming in for my insurance business. And my goal was to really um, 
only bring in all my, the only new products I would bring in. And my goal was to be in private label and just continue to sell the items that I, you know, had, had at Amazon, um, from my, you know, current inventory, uh, continue to sell those and, and let those continue to bring funds in. And so that's how I kind of transitioned. I started with one product and, you know, a month later I had another product and I kind of built it up where eventually, um, by the end of 2015, I had sold through all my arbitrage items um, and I was, um, and I already had um, some private label products. And then 2016 was kind of the first full year that I was, you know, sort of all in, um, 100% private label. I love it. Well, this is this is uh, the same journey other people go through, right? Until you understand how to build a brand. It's kind of a mystery. You don't even know what a UPC uh, code right. is or how to get one. You, you know, the idea of putting your own brand on something and importing it from China and who do you talk to? How do you find the products? Right. All of it can be extraordinarily overwhelming. But, you know, here you are, you know, a couple, three years into it now. And you're, you know, you know not just doing well, but you're considered an expert in the space. How do you think that transition went? Uh, you know, you know, how did you go from the newbie learner to the teacher's? Well, you know, I, I went, I, I went all in. Um, and so, you know, going all in for me was, you know, I did one product that didn't stop there. I did another product and I listened to all the podcasts and I took the course and I went to the conferences and I started networking, you know, one of, um, you know, I went to, um, I went to a conference from rapid crush in 2016. Um, it was very, very expensive. It was $10,000 to attend that conference, but I went on a leap of faith and they're, you know, now a new brand that I'm starting. Uh, is going to be with a person that I met there at that at that uh, conference, and so um, definitely networking with other sellers was a huge difference for me for my business, um, and really like learning and list, listening, you know, and uh, taking courses and just like um, consuming as much information, but then also actually like putting it into play, right? I mean, not every piece of content that I listened to, I I was able to implement, but. Um, being very, very focused on uh, learning and implementing, learning and implementing, you know, very, very consistently. Um, and, I, you know, e even though, yes, uh, I'll say I'm considered an expert with, with quotes, I'm still learning, you know, every day. I still want to listen to podcasts like yours that are put out there with, you know, with information or um, attend conferences. And, you know, now a lot of the time it's not the speaker on stage, but it's the higher level sellers that are there that I can, share best practices with and, and talk to. But, um, you know, I feel like um, uh, probably a description of an awesomer is someone who doesn't feel like you can ever stop learning, right? Um, so um, one of the things I learned in network marketing was this three L's, lifelong learning. And that's kind of, that, that again, was kind of a mindset thing to me. Like you're, yeah, you could be an expert, but there's still a whole lot you don't know and a whole lot you could be doing better and improve. And so that's how I kind of have always seen my, my business and um, you know, and then um, obviously I think there's some, um, you know, uh, uh, being able to retain information and uh, learn and apply. And then also, you know, I think a skill set that I have is being able to relay back information and maybe teach somebody else something. And so um, I think there's, there's, I'm sure tons of people that are way more knowledgeable than I am. Um, one, not every person wants to step up and, and, uh, and have a community or teach. Um, and two, uh, thankfully, I'm gifted with the ability to sort of uh, relay information well. Yeah, I like that. Well, and it's, it is a very impressive journey. And the reality is, you know, what you've been able to do has been very well earned. And it's something that you've been able to, 
um, put significant focus on and effort into. And I, I definitely agree that, you know, Ospreys in general love to learn. That's, that's a premise that we all kind of approach uh, business with and life really with. Uh, right. And I do find it to, noteworthy to point out that uh, you and I being college dropouts, it wasn't a question of learning. We love to learn, right? I mean, I, I'm, uh, I've given a recent podcast episode about strengths-based leadership, which is a, uh, it's a book that you can buy and then you can take an assessment and uh, people can have their strengths noted. And I, I definitely think you would have a high potential to have your top five strengths include learner because you love to learn. As yeah. do I. I love to learn. And that's something that, you know, not everybody takes the time. They just want it. They want it fast. They want the hack. You know, just give me the easy button. Right. And uh, you know, what would you say to those people who are like, hey, just give me the hack. Give me the easy way. I don't want to really actually work that hard. What would you tell them? Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, what I would say is that, you know, it's not necessarily working really hard, but you, um, you know, I would say it's, it's, it's being, you need to learn information in order to be able, um, you know, somebody once told me, um, you know, knowledge is, uh, power, right. Um, I consider it potential power, right. If you put it into, if you put it into play, but, um, you know, especially in this game of Amazon, um, there's definitely like information arbitrage, right. Um, so when you have the skill set and when you have the information that another seller might not have, that's how you can beat them on Amazon. You can have two listings side by side, same product. And what, why is one product selling 50,000 a month and the other one's struggling and some of it is information arbitrage right that seller knows how to get their product ranked they know how to do the advertising right they know how to do better images and better listings and it could be the same exact product but if you don't have that information um then you can't really take advantage of that you know information uh information arbitrage and so to me that's one of the most powerful things i have in my business um is not the fact that i can go on the computer and and actually like open a seller central account i can give that to anybody to do but it's sort of the strategies that you know allow you to be successful on the platform, and that's where that's where I focused, like how to how to maximize the Amazon platform opportunity. I love it. Well, and this is a really big important point. This idea that skills actually are valuable, right? Mm -hmm. You build skills, you know, and having that that uh, knowledge equity or intellectual equity, however you want to think of it, all of that builds towards something that then you can connect the dots. When you hear, you do the networking that you described earlier, when you, you're in the, the groups or you're listening to the podcasts or you're doing whatever learning that needs to be done, now you can start to see connections that maybe other people who aren't as exposed to this uh, um, learning materials, they just don't see those connections. And that is where you find advantage. And that's where you build skills. Yes, absolutely. And that's why I would encourage anybody listening to this, if you're not like attending one, two, three conferences a year, you want to do that. I mean, you want to pick the right ones and, uh, you know, but networking with other sellers has been, has probably been the biggest impact for me to my, to my business. And it doesn't happen just online in Facebook groups, but when you go and meet that person from Facebook, um, personally, and then you start talking to them, they're going to share things that they're just not sharing publicly or, you know, through private message because they don't really, they don't really know you. Uh, so definitely make it a point to, uh, face-to-face -face, uh, conversations with other sellers. Such good advice. Uh, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the things you have going on right now, maybe some predictions about the future, and a couple other little nuggets. We'll be right back after this. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals. Congratulations on your success to date. Your creativity, strategic vision, problem-solving, and discipline have allowed you to build your own e-commerce business. 
Wouldn't it be great if you had more time to focus on the things that truly drive the sales and growth of your company? Instead of getting lost in a dozen different services and countless spreadsheets, what if there was one system that connected to your Amazon account and automatically gave you the information that you needed to make great decisions and really impact your business? Parsimony ERP can do that. Parsimony is the business operating system for your marketplace business. With Parsimony, you get true double entry bookkeeping, easy financial statements, full customer service tools, and item-by-item profitability, along with project and task management, and more features are being added all the time. Learn more at parsimony.com. That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y.com. Parsimony.com. We've got that. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Hey, how about that? We're back again. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit now about, you know, some of the things that that I think are important uh, for people to, to consider for the future. Now, one of the things I like to ask everybody is just if they have a, a particular tool or a resource that they use in their business day to day, is there anything that stands out in your mind that you care to share with the, the audience out there listening? Uh, I mean, one of the uh, two tools that I use a pretty good amount of in my business every day, uh, I use Slack. So we use Slack as a way to communicate. Uh, I use it as a way to communicate with my uh, assistant. So um, I do have an office and we're, we're both there, but I'm not always at the office and it's a great way to, to communicate and keep track of everything. We have different channels for different projects that we're working on. And we also have our VAs on there um, and our VAs uh, communicating through there also. So it's a really good tool just for team collaboration. Um, uh, I was going to mention another tool, um, Evernote. I use, uh, I use a lot just in terms of like notes and organizing things. Um, one other tool that I use that probably a lot of people don't know about um, is a tool called Bonusly. Um, and it's so bonus.ly. Um, and what it allows you to do is it allows you to reward uh, team members um, and also allows team members to reward each other with points. Um, so, you know, my assistant does something great or she does a great job managing things when I'm traveling or whatever. Um, I'll come back and I'll give her 50 points and that might be five bucks or 10 bucks or something. Um, and basically every team member gets a set amount of points every month that they can use and they can give each other for collaborating for, for different things. Um, and I find that it's even that $10 or $15 or whatever it is that, that, um, that they get is, is motivator is a big motivator. Um, and, um, you can also set some goals around it. So, you know, if we hit this X target, you know, at the end of the month, each, each of these targets is worth points um, and just great for collaboration and, and, you know, keeping people engaged. And also, you know, if you, have a, if you have employees or VAs that you value, it's an extra thing that you could do for them that probably nobody, nobody else um, has done before. So it doesn't cost a lot of money. Um, the points they get, they can, um, my VA and the, Phil, the VAs in the Philippines, they can use this for just PayPal for money. Um, my uh, assistant here likes to use it. You can use it for gift cards, Starbucks, whatever, um, and turn those points into some things you like. So um, that's a really good tool. Again, not expensive to to use it, and good way to motivate. Um, you know, if you have a if you have a team, even a small team. I love it. I think that is a really smart idea, and uh, especially I enjoy the the fact that they can reward each other, right? Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things. So, in my view, and again, this is just my own opinion, but it's not the actual money that is motivating the folks. It's the recognition and it's them supporting each other, right? The more you have that, you're creating a culture within your company where people want to be recognized for doing good stuff, right? Right. Which then they want to repeat the good stuff. That, that, you know, it's a really, really smart cultural choice. How did you come to that? Uh, Was this just something that you were uh, turned on to or how did you come to that idea? 
So, um, so actually, so my, uh, my assistant came over from, uh, she was working for another Amazon uh, brand when I, uh, when I hired her. Um, and one of the things that I did with her initially is like, tell me about the different tools that you used in, that they used in their business. They were bigger, bigger brand. They had like over 20 employees. Um, and so they were using, you know, a lot of software in their business, a lot of automation, a lot of things. And this was one of those, uh, one of those, uh, one of those tools that they were using. Um, and I, I love the idea of it, just like you said, because, you know, it helps you retain people, motivate people, get uh, recognition. Um, so I immediately implemented, uh, you know, that, that tool. Um, and again, she, she really, she really loves, um, that motivation and that, um, recognition. Um, so it's kind of cool. It's like a social media sort of feed there. You can tag people, you can use hashtags there and, um, and everybody kind of sees it. So it's definitely, uh, motivating and you know for my VAs in the Philippines who you know they get what five six hundred bucks a month um, you know getting another 20 30 bucks and like bonuses is is meaningful um, and it does and it's not a lot of money yeah no that's really really smart I love that uh, that's a great tip and uh, and also just for the awesomers out there listening if you if you don't have a method of recognition and that could be as simple as an email uh, from time to time, once a week, once a month, some, some minimal effort where you say, hey, I noticed this thing you did. It was great. Thanks mm -hmm. for doing that. That is extraordinarily motivating, far more than the average entrepreneur would believe, right? Because if somebody sends us a, an email and goes, hey, cool, cool gig over there you did or nice effort over there, we're like, hey, cool, thanks. And then we move on to our, with our lives, right? But I, I think regular, you know, uh, Team members will love the recognition, especially if it's coming from the boss. Uh, that means something. They take it home. They talk about it. Uh, yes. Sometimes we'll make certificates where they, they frame them and put them up in their house. Their whole family is seeing this. And we, under, we undervalue some of those things, I yeah, think. Yeah, and I'll share, I'll share a quick story with you. Um, I'm in the Amazon exclusives program, which basically you get some perks. You pay an additional 5%, and you're selling your products online uh, on your website and on, and on Amazon. Um, so I'm in that program and I have a rep and um, I love my rep. I mean, she's really, really excellent. Um, you know, if I need something on a Sunday, she, she would do it, you know, it, an amazing rep. Um, and so one of the things that I did recently was I took all the Amazon leadership principles. Um, and I know that that's how the uh, Amazon employees also get rated in their uh, performance um, uh, review. Um, and I took all the leadership principles and I wrote each one and how you know, she exemplifies that leadership principle. Well, you know, a couple of weeks after I did that, she sends me a picture and she's holding a certificate, right? And, you know, because I sent that to her, to her boss um, and they recognized her and they, they gave her this certificate and she was thrilled, right? And it cost me 15 minutes of my time to take to do that. But, you know, if I need a little extra support from Amazon, I'm going to get it because, you know, it's not, I'm not just like receiving, receiving, receiving. I'm also kind of giving back. Um, and it's exactly like those small kind of things that, um, that can make a big difference. So if you, you know, if you uh, care about keeping the people that you have, um, uh, and not, you know, and you don't think you could just replace them in a day with exactly what they've been doing, then I think it's worthwhile to implement some things in your business, um, to retain them. Definitely. Right. Uh, I love those. Uh, again, this, this, uh, a lot of what you've talked about today really, there's a, a needle kind of threading it all together, which is, you know, networking, recognition, you know, doing the right thing. All of these are, are wonderful, awesome values, and I, I love every little bit of it. Um, before we jump into the future and kind of what you're doing uh, in the present as well, uh, do you have a best day in your professional uh, life? Do you have one day 
that stands out? Not not that you can't have more than one great day, but anything that stands out in your mind you care to share with the, the listeners out there? Best day in my professional life. Um, it's a, a tough question, but you know, I've had I've had um, I've had some days in my uh, in my Amazon business where I've had uh, I've had a deal of the day from Amazon, and those have been uh, pretty amazing days in terms of uh, in terms of sales. Um, those definitely stand out. Uh, I was lucky enough to have one this year and one last year. I'm hoping to have another one this year. So those are definitely like standout days um, in terms of uh, in terms of sales. Um, you know, otherwise, um, you know. I feel like every every day is kind of uh, trying to move forward and trying to do something to to move my business forward. Yeah, it definitely. When we get, especially when we're kind of in the day to day doing it, doing it, doing it, it's hard to recognize those things. But I really encourage everybody, yourself included, to kind of take a step back from time to time and look for the opportunity for a victory lap. Again, too often entrepreneurs we we're so into kind of onto the next thing that we stop. We we don't stop. And we don't give ourselves at least that little short victory lap. And then it's like, all right, back to work. Um, and it's definitely something that I have found to be quite valuable. And I think any of those sales records or any days like that are well worth uh, uh, remembering and, and taking note of and then sharing with the team. It sounds like you're already doing some of that, by the way, when you're putting team bonuses, if we hit this goal or objective, that's yeah. an exciting time. Yes. That's great. So let's let's talk about uh, a little bit, uh, you know, about the crystal ball. Pull out your crystal ball and and tell me what the future looks like. Um, whether it's e-commerce in general, Amazon as a selling channel specifically, or anything else you care to pontificate about. Yeah, uh, it's a good question because you know five years ago I probably would have never predicted um, what I'd be doing today. You know, I wasn't even in this in this space. I was in the insurance space, um, albeit online, but not not in this space at all. So. I imagine any prediction I make is probably uh, not going to be uh, an exact uh, target, but um, you know, I I would like to uh, possibly uh, exit, uh, ha- you know, have an exit on uh, at least maybe one or two of the brands that I have now. Um, so hopefully, be able to take some money off the table, um, something to put towards my future. Um, you know, that's one of the things that one of my goals. Um, I'm also in the process of starting a couple of brands, so hopefully, you know, they. Uh, see some success and possibly an exit um, on those before five years is up. Um, I see myself continuing to uh, continuing to do sort of the you know consulting or training or you know in whatever capacity um, that may be. Um, I still think Amazon is going to be uh, you know a great opportunity to leverage to leverage uh, you know that that channel. Um, so um, I don't have I don't have a vision of uh, of life being like massively uh, massively different, like being in another industry or, or, you know, being outside of, uh, of the e-commerce space. I think we have, we have, we have many years to go for, to take advantage of, uh, of the opportunity, but, um, you know, hopefully, uh, playing ball at a higher, uh, higher, higher level, right. I might, I might go from, uh, from college, from college to the NBA, you know, uh, try to like try that. to improve my game. Well, I personally will be running a hoverboard ranch uh, where we'll, people will go out to the Old West and they'll ride around on hoverboards and pretend they're old uh, uh, cowboys. So uh, you can look forward to that, uh, that uh, revelation coming true as well. Um, I do have a, a question about some of the, the mentor and coaching and, and some of the things you do. Tell us a little bit more about how that works. Sure. Um, so we have, a, we have a private label course teaching you basically how to find potential products and build a brand on Amazon. Um, you know, that's more, I would say for people that, uh, either, 
have kind of just started with private label or maybe have one product or maybe maybe you're doing wholesale or arbitrage and you do want to get into that model. Um, it's probably not for somebody that's already doing, you know, high six figures, high seven figures with, with private label. So it's more of like sort of uh, initial sort of training. Um, we do um, ongoing webinars, et cetera, with more advanced content, but um, it's more of a course for people who are looking to start or haven't had the success they, they want. Um, besides for that, we have some services that we offer. So we have an image service that's very popular um, where we take your existing images or existing image um, and enhance them just with uh, Photoshop and graphic design work. So text callouts, lifestyle images, things like that. We um, copyright listings. Um, this year we've started to manage uh, sponsored ads um, for sellers on Amazon. So we do that. Um, we have another service called AMZ Professional where uh, we submit reimbursements um, and we do feedback removal. We submit reimbursements. Um, we don't charge a commission like some of the other services, so it's a flat fee. Um, and then, you know, um, we're doing, we're doing uh, we've done a couple of private label retreats. Um, this past year, we're doing a trip to China that's um, coming up in October, a small group. Um, and, you know, aside from that, you know, from time to time, I'll get a, you know, a brand or get someone who will come to me just for consulting um, or things like that. So, um, you know, recently I spoke to a brand that's selling $4 million a year on Amazon, um, and they wanted some consulting around how to, you know, optimize, improve their listings, things like that. So that kind of just comes to me sort of on a as yeah, as it comes kind of uh, basis. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of, uh, that's kind of what we do, uh, you know, with Amazing Freedom. I'm partners with uh, Andy Slammons and Nathan Slammons. We also have a free Facebook group, Amazing Freedom, um, where, you know, it's just a community of, of uh, sellers that are just asking questions and posting, um, et cetera. Love it. So we will uh, try to get that stuff in the, uh, the show notes, everybody, and you'll be able to uh, uh, pick up those online uh, at, the, at the bottom of the show. On the top of the show, we'll announce the episode number. Uh, I don't know it as we record it, but eventually <laughs> it gets uh, named and assigned. Um, so I, I love all of that. And tell us about the China trip. How does your China trip work? Uh, there's a, you know all kinds of different ways of going to China. What, what do you? It sounds sounds like you're going to the Canton Fair. Am I right? Yes. Yeah, we're going to the Canton Fair. You know, and we haven't done this until until this year. Um, and really, the reason why we did a trip is because there was um, I don't know four or five people in our in our um, group. Um, that has gone through our course, et cetera, that have said, hey, are you guys doing a China trip, right? And so we've, we, we've never done it before because my, my philosophy has always been that really you don't need me for the Canton Fair. You can go there, um, there's English speaking, the vendors have a translator or English speaking reps and you can go look at products and you don't really need me. So you know, when, when some, some of our course members asked us if we're doing a China trip, um, I, I thought about how can we add value? Um, one, I know that people generally are more inclined to go as part of a group if they're going to China, especially if it's their first time. So there's one benefit to a group in general. The first time I went, I went with a few friends, sellers, because I also didn't want to go myself. Um, but two, I thought about, you know, how can we provide value? So what we're doing is we're going to be doing some, um, some coaching, uh, group coaching calls before going to the Canton Fair. Because I know when I went the first time, it was overwhelming. So kind of helping you focus on, you know, what category, what products are you going to be looking at, doing some research beforehand. Um, going there and then every night masterminding, um, sitting one-on-one -on -one, because we're taking a small group. Um, we have some experts, Paul Miller, um, is going to join us on that trip. Um, Andy's going to be there and, you know, we're having like 10 people or less. So we'll, we'll be able to, uh, we'll be able to do sort of like one-on-one -on -one. show me some of the products you found today. Let me help you vet those ideas. Let me help you 
kind of figure out how to maybe make some changes to those products to differentiate yourself. So those are the types of things that we're going to be doing um, every single day. Um, so it's not like somebody needs me to hold their hand and walk around the Canton Fair, but it's the sort of the, the stuff at the end of the day that you're going to want to do every day as far as the work, um, evaluating different suppliers that you saw, et cetera. Um, and then, so we're going to go to phase two of the Canton Fair. Um, one night while we're there, we're also Chris Davey. Um, if you're if you're going to be there around that time, I know he does a big networking event. There's like 300 sellers, um, so we're going to be bringing the group over to that just for networking, meeting other sellers. Um, again, you know, I think if you're serious enough to go to China, you're going to meet other people who are serious enough to go to China, um, and it should be good networking. Uh, we're then going to head over to Hong Kong um, and go to the Global Sources Summit. So it also gives the the group an opportunity to learn just from the the summit itself and also attend the show there. Um, and we'll be doing the same thing. We'll be doing, uh, we'll be helping people with the products that they're looking at. Um, and then also, you know, Paul Miller will be talking about licensing. Um, I have a woman, um, her name is Michelle, who has helped me with MessengerBot. She's speaking there too. Um, so she's going to be doing like a session for a group about like using uh, ManyChat and MessengerBots. Um, so it's really sort of like, it's really all the help somebody maybe might want around all the things that they're doing in China. Because again, if somebody just wants to go to the Canton Fair and you're experienced, I don't think you need me or anybody else to really take you there. Um, so, it's, you know, we're going to try to add value there. And then also when we come back, keep a Facebook group and do, you know, a few more calls for people like post, post the event, especially if they have never imported before, whatever kind of helped them throughout that process. Yeah, it's a it's a daunting uh, concept to go to China for your first time. So I definitely love the idea of of groups and community. And this this you know idea that was planted early on uh, in today's episode of networking and and having value and going to shows and things like that. There really is such an unimaginable yet intangible value to that stuff, right? You, you don't come back and go, oh look at my bank account, it just doubled. Right. But you come back and and you have ideas, you have connections. And some of these things, as, as you talked about with one of your future new brands, they take time to gestate, they take time to form, but you don't know where they're going to go. And partnerships and ideas and all kinds of wonderful things can happen. So I love it. I, I think that's a really great idea. Um, I, you know, I've been to Canton Fair for 15 plus years. Um, I don't like going to them at this stage uh, very often. And so sometimes I go and sometimes I don't. But I definitely encourage people, especially if you've never been, to take the plunge, get over there, and just, just understand how it works. If you get nothing else, you will understand more about how to deal with China than you did before. It's, it's a massive crash course in learning. You just can't get around. Yes, absolutely. And, and yeah, you know, I think, you know, while you have Facebook groups, et cetera, like on this trip, we're going to have like 10 people or less and people uh, actually we're having an, we're taking an Airbnb. So everyone will be staying together in uh, Guangzhou and there's going to be things shared there between people that they just don't share with each other online. Right. You'll be comfortable telling the other person what your product is, right? Everyone's afraid to tell their products because you don't know that person might just copy, right? You're not going to share that in a, in a Facebook group, but in an environment like that, you share things like that with each other, you know, um, I have products that have a, a patent, um, and I didn't even think of, of having a patent on it. I went, I mentioned this mastermind I went to in Cabo, um, and then I did a follow-up call like, a couple weeks later with one of the guys I met there, and we were doing a Zoom, and I showed him some of my products, and he's like, you should patent that product. And it was a new product, so I still had that time, and he's like, you should patent that product. Gave me his lawyer, and now I've used the lawyer for the last couple of years and have gotten patents um, because of that. And there's, it was just not even on my radar. Um, and recently took down a competitor who 
outright copy the product. I was waiting for the patent to get issued and took down a competitor. So I've seen the direct result of what you know networking has done for me. And so I just um, that's why I'm kind of passionate about doing it and also continue to do it. Like, don't think that you're an expert and that you should stop. You don't need to go to events or you don't need to talk to people because it's not the case. Boy, oh boy, I think that is really, really sage wisdom. Um, and I, I say with great respect, but I have sellers all the time. They're like, hey, I've been doing this uh, two years, three years, four years. Or somebody will say, hey, I've imported 100 containers. And, you know, I have to take a step back and, and say, hey, little buddy, that's great. Um, you know, I, I did more than 100 containers last month. Uh, I've been doing this nearly 30 years. Uh, at one time, I had 70 containers sitting in my yard, and I had to buy a semi-truck just to move them around uh, for an older business that I sold. But all of these things, and, and even despite all of that experience, you know, despite my, my first million-dollar day happening many, many uh, years ago, I still learn, and I still go to conferences, and I still am engaged in those conversations. And and I, I, you know, my axiom zero is I don't know nothing about nothing. And I go into every, you know, uh, engagement with that, whether it's a conference or a conversation, because I want to learn and I want to get better. And I hope other people take that approach as well. Yeah, great advice. Do you, um, do you have any final words of wisdom for the awesomers out there uh, listening today? Um, make sure you have a lot of stock for Q4. Take advantage of Q4. It's coming up. If you haven't put in your, uh, your orders, uh, you better run. Um, and take advantage of it. It only comes once a year. Don't go out of stock, um, you know, and use that as a use that as a cash flow catapult for for 2019. I love it. That's a great advice. Q4 is a big deal, everybody. If you uh, are not prepared, you better get prepared. And it really can be that catapult, as it was described, to to level you up, right? And this yeah. may take you from the little leagues into the pony leagues, and and right. then someday you can play college ball, and then go on to <laughs> the big leagues like uh, Leron. So, uh, thank you again for your taking the time to join us. Uh, we really do appreciate it, and we'll put in some of the links to all of the the many things you do uh, in the show notes as well. Uh, thank you again, Leron. Thank you, Steve, for having me. I just want to say, you know, Steve has been one of the the. the not only most knowledgeable, but just one of the, the really good guys that I've met uh, throughout my journey, uh, you know, selling on Amazon. So really appreciate to uh, to know you and uh, uh, make sure you follow Steve because, um, you know, obviously if you're listening to this, you are, but um, one of the one of the smartest, uh, most entrepreneurial guys that I've met, uh, you know, in this journey. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I do love entrepreneurs and, uh, uh, you know, this it's my passion. This is what I, I get the most satisfaction of, uh, uh, hanging out these days. So thanks uh, again. And uh, Osmer is listening. We'll be right back after this. Catalyst 88 was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long-term goals in e-commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom. Entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned. Learn from others. Learn from us. I guarantee that we will learn from you. Visit Catalyst88.com because your success is our success. A giddy up. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Well, as always, Awesomers stories do not disappoint. It is such a fun thing for me, and I hope it is um, something that you find inspiration in, to be able to kind of just see where all these different Awesomers from around the world, from all over the world, come from. And Leron was no exception. You know, he was able to share kind of his origin story and how he kind of you know, went through each process and, and you know, um, enjoyed the triumphs and, and overcame the adversities. And, you know, one of the things I want to just comment on is the, the basic idea that these origin stories really are something 
that anybody should be able to identify with and see that, you know, we're all the same. It doesn't matter where we came from, just matters where we're going. And uh, Lebron's story I find to be absolutely heartwarming and, and wonderful and something that uh, all of us can learn from. So I'm glad you joined us here. Now, as a reminder, this was episode number 38 of the Awesomers.com podcast. And to go check out the show notes and links and relevant details, just go to Awesomers.com slash 38. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at awesomers.com. Thank you again.